Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Two things to get to before we get back to your calls. Talking Mets, talking Yanks, whatever's on your mind. On this open Monday night, you got me for two more hours before we hand it over to EJ Stewart, who will take you through the overnight. Number one, as we were listening to Petey Mac do the update right there, he talks about Josh Hart telling Bleacher Report. I think he told our old friend Taylor Rooks, uh, as a matter of fact, in a sit-down that, yeah, New York is the ideal place to play and is where he wants to resign. Big Zoo goes in my headset. Yeah, no bleep. And it's funny because I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, obviously, this is the we, we understand that. Now, would it kill you to develop a little bit better jumper? Talk about consistency. I mean, Josh Hart was a exciting player, much-needed energy from him when the Knicks did make that acquisition, but he's not a good offensive player, or he's at least not a consistent offensive player. That's something that the Knicks will desperately need, but I thought it was funny. He was like, yeah, no bleep, obviously. I mean, New York's the place to play. The other thing, and this is also, yeah, no bleep, Jacob deGrom had been, has been moved to the 60-day I.L., by the Texas Rangers, he will now be eligible no earlier than June 28th. Now, look, this is not a hate to say I told you so or whatever. Ha ha, look at this. It's just a matter of facts. Jacob deGrom is never healthy. He hasn't been for years. He never will be moving forward. And it was something that was very easily predictable. And it sucks because the guy's one of the great pitchers that I've ever seen. I mean, he's one of the great pitchers of our generation, no question about it. One of the great pitchers to ever put on a Met uniform. But he's just never healthy. So for those who knock Steve Cohen for not going out there and getting Jacob DeGrom, and I'm not saying that you know Verlander's been a, a bowl of health either. Obviously, missing the first month of the season, not something that the Mets were looking, uh, you know, expecting to happen. Scherzer's been banged up here or there as well, but... With DeGrom, it's always something. Tightness or soreness in that elbow, I mean, it's just, it's always something with him. And when they expected maybe to get him back here mid-early June, nope, not so fast. Stop me if you've heard this before. No earlier than June 28th for DeGrom, which I believe will keep him out at least two months of the season. Very predictable that he would be out a significant chunk. And we'll see even if and when he does come back. And by the way, the Rangers are playing well without him. They're going to need him. I said this with the Mets all these years. If the Mets didn't have Jacob deGrom pitching in game one of the postseason one way or another, it would be a failure. If he doesn't take the mound in the postseason, it would be an epic failure. And too often, it was an epic failure. And then last year, finally the year that they get him in the postseason, you know, for the first time since 2015, of course, they get him into the postseason and he 
wasn't that good. He wasn't that good against Atlanta. He was good enough to win. Obviously, that was the one game they won against San Diego. But it wasn't vintage 2018, 2019, even 2020, early 2020 DeGrom. Anyway, sad what's happened with him, but the guy is always freaking hurt. 877-337-6666. Jake is calling from Queens. What's up, Jake? Hey, I have two quick points. One, um, uh, I think the problem with uh, Shohei Otani is that I don't think he could keep up this pitching and hitting for too long. I think he'll probably get injured, and then he's going to be just one, and probably a DH. Okay, I mean, but you're basing that on what exactly? Well, he he's already gotten injured and missed the whole season to be a DH. A couple years yeah, what ago. year was that? And think about this. What pitcher in the world can get hurt for the year and still have an impact? I agree, but I don't. how long do you think he's going to stay as both? I have no idea. I mean, I'm not Sal Stradamus, although I claim to be at times. I have no idea. I mean, how do you know? What are you basing it off of exactly? Okay, fine. That's just the concern you know, like, also. No, no, I understand the concern, but can't you say that about anybody? Think about it. With Otani, yes, but, he, but no, most people you're not paying $70 million bucks. Well, we don't know what they're going to be paying. Okay. Also, I mean, I know what you're um, saying. So he missed he missed all of 2019. Outside of that, he's been, you know, let's see what how many starts he took here. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years he's been healthy. 23 starts in 2021, 28 starts last year, and he's got 12 starts already this year. Yeah, just how long do you think he's going to keep it up? I don't know, but it's a question that you can't you ask that for anybody, Jake? You know? Yeah, I guess. But He's only also, 29. He's 28 right now. He'll be 29 next year. Would you rather put it this way? Would you rather trust him for the next 10 years or however long the contract is going to be, or would you trust Verlander and Scherzer at you know 40 years? No, yeah, years? I agree. I agree with Scherzer and Verlander, but how about Chapman and and uh, Noah? Oh, do we? I mean, what are you, a brother of the guy who called before? No, I I thought also no, I. I was thinking also if they trade, they could trade like maybe Brett Beatty and like Vientos or Mauricio for Shane Bieber. Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen, but in your scenario, at least, Jake, and thank you for the call, at least in your scenario, you're opening up third base by trading for Shane Bieber. Now, the Mets aren't going to do that. But at least, yeah, if you traded Beatty and Vientos and got Shane Bieber, now you need a third baseman. And then you could go sign Chapman in the offseason. He would be your third baseman. And I guess you want to sign Aaron Noah. Look, I just don't understand why. Like, am I being pranked tonight? Is this like is this actually a thing? If you're a team that could actually afford Shohei Otani, do you really think that there are better options than that? I, I think maybe that was a prank, especially that it continues to happen with Chapman and Aaron Noah. Like, Aaron Noah, is, he's not that good. What are you guys obsessed with Aaron Noah for? Aaron, you'd rather have Aaron Nola than Shohei Otani. Okay. This is New York. We're supposed to be better than that. I'm, I'm not sure. You know what Aaron Nola is doing this year? What makes you think that Aaron Nola is any good? You're worried about last year? Nola this year is pitching to a 4.7 ERA. Uh, I'm not sure where the, you know, plus he's going to be 31 next year, so he's older than Otani. Uh, I mean, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand the love affair with Aaron Nola. Chapman's okay, but they're not even close to the players at Otani. Look, the days of the Mets needing to shop in the bargain bin, they're over. 
So you don't need to look to piece it together with subpar players. You go all in for the best of the best. The Mets are lacking a superstar. Lindor ain't it. Alonzo ain't it. Otani is it. That's the guy. I'm not saying they're going to get him, but I am saying they're not going to be outbid for him. I would be stunned if Steve Cohen got outbid. I don't care about the Dodgers, the Yankees, whoever. Doesn't mean he's coming here, but I'd be stunned if the Mets, and it's the right thing to do. It's the right move. I'd be stunned if they didn't have the highest bid. Jamie calling from Seymour, Connecticut. What's up, Jamie? Hey, Sal. What's going on? How are you, Jamie? Good. Hey, how about how long did you go, Tiny? I'm just kidding about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't even know how we're talking about Otani. I didn't bring him up. No. Um, uh, how about Degrom? I mean, when I remember just real quick on that, when my friends were asking me last year, should they sign him? And I said I was very weary of signing him to anything because it just I just had a feeling he's always going to be like this, and that's that's kind of what it is. Agreed. I don't think it's that we didn't want him back. I'm not going to speak for you, no. Jamie, but obviously a Mets fan would want DeGrom back. The problem is the health. There's two things. There's health concerns, and then based off of what we saw last year when he did come back healthy, we didn't know what type of pitcher he was going to be. Is he still that mm-hmm. dominant pitcher that we saw in 2018, 2019? I don't know. So he was this year when healthy, but he hasn't been healthy you know, the majority of the year now. Correct. Now, as for the Messies. Um, I think you said it yes um, this morning, yesterday, whatever it was. Uh, they they're just too inconsistent, you know. Like you said, I think they win a series, sweep a series, then they lose two series, then they win a series and they get swept. There's just too many inconsistencies with this team. And when you look at like their like their two to me, their two best players are Alonzo and probably Lindor, and those guys are hitting two thirty, two thirteen, and if they're not going to hit. That's a huge issue, um, and you can only rely on the rookies so much. They're going to have their good moments and their bad moments, so it's hard to just rely on them because um, you know they're they're rookies. Right. They those guys can like Alvarez has shown that he could be an impact bat, but he's a rookie, so they're going to be learning curve. They're going to be some rookie mistakes and lumps that they have to take. Same with Beatty. I think everybody expects them to come in and produce consistently. They're not going to yet. Maybe mm-hmm. next year. They can right now. No, they need Lindor and Alonzo because those are the only two stars in their lineup. I mean, you could throw in Marte as well, and if you want McNeil, but neither of those guys have been consistent either. We're talking about four of their best players. There's only nine guys in the lineup. Four of them are expected to do a lot, and they haven't. Maybe Nimmo's the one guy who's been consistent and reliable. Mm -hmm. And and when you add up the rest of the stuff, you know, like Sanga the other day on normal rest, like you said, uh, you know, he... He couldn't get past the third inning or whatever it was. And then, and then I, I think the bullpen is a little shaky at times, too. Losing Diaz was huge. So that when you get all, add up all these inconsistencies, you're going to get a 500 record. That's kind of where we're at right now. Correct. And my biggest concern, Jamie, and thank you for the call. We appreciate you checking in. My biggest concern is not where they're at right now, how they get out of where they're at right now. How do they get to a level where – you can expect them to start actually winning series. How do they get to a level where they can avoid getting swept, which is something they did so well last year. They barely lost any series. They didn't get swept until September. It was a nearly flawless regular season. I don't think you could expect the same thing this year, but they have to turn it up another notch or two 
to get to a level where they're playing like one of the better teams in the league. 500 is not going to cut it. Are we going to be on this run, you know, the whole year thinking, okay, well, they're 500, but just get to the postseason because look what the Phillies did last year. Like, is it going to be that all year long? And then guess what's going to happen? The Mets will get in the postseason. We'll sit here. We'll watch them in the first round, and they're going to be disappointed, whether it's the wild card round, whether it's the divisional round, whatever. Maybe even they win around, but then they get bounced after that. Instead of just, you, you can't just look at what the Phillies didn't think that the Mets are going to do that. I mean, there's always the chance, but the reality is, if you don't play well over the next three plus months, odds are you're not going to do anything with the season. And making the playoffs for this team, while it is an accomplishment, because it would only be the third time in franchise history to make the postseason in consecutive years, 99-2000, 2015-2016, and then 23, uh, you know, 22 and 23, if they make it. But ultimately, they would fall way short. I, I really do think this is a season-defining series. And when I say that, it doesn't mean if you lose this series, the season is over. I think it's going to tell me, it's going to show us what this team is made of. Because don't you feel like right now, now maybe it would have been a different story had they won two out of three from Toronto. The feel would have been totally different. We would have been sitting here saying, you know what? They've turned the corner. They swept the Phillies. They took two out of three from Toronto. Here we go. Mets, Braves in Atlanta. Let's get. Let's see what's up. And instead, they're coming in off of a sweep. The feel is, oh, God, here we go again. Where Atlanta, the last time the Mets set foot down there, they got swept out. And they never recovered. And they do have their two aces lined up, which is, I think, a big part of the reason why Kodai Senga stayed on schedule. They wanted Scherzer and Verlander lined up. They know how big these games are. This is a forget what happened. You know, really nothing else matters to, to date. The record doesn't matter. What happened in April, May doesn't matter. What happened in June to this point, it doesn't matter. What matters right now, you know, the 30 and 30, the first 60 game, doesn't matter. What matters right now is what the Mets show they're made of. That's what matters. They know how important this series is. The Braves know how big this series is. And for the Braves, it's a little less important because they are up six games in the loss column. But I'm sure it's another opportunity for the Braves to say, oh, yeah, take your highest payroll and shove it. It's an opportunity for them to make their mark on the division and leave no doubt. If the Braves sweep the Mets, see ya, goodbye. Nine games back in the loss column, mid-June. And yeah, you could say anything's possible, but based on what we've seen the first two and a half months, why would we think anything would change the, the remainder of the season? What, just because the Braves did it last year? The Braves went on an incredible run last year, starting about a week ago from last year, and basically didn't lose the rest of the way and still barely tied the Mets. So it took all of that to tie. It's not like, oh, well, they could come back from 10 games. No, it's not like that. Or the Mets can send a message and say, hey, you know what, we took two out of three or sweep. I mean, God forbid they sweep a series. Like it, it, it feels like it's an impossibility. It feels like the Mets are going down there and are going to lose two out of three. The reality should be that, hey, this is a winnable series. Go get it. And you know what? Maybe sweep them, and they send a message. Imagine how a sweep 
could turn the tables and change the feel around this team. 877-337-6666. Brian is calling from Bayside. What's up, Brian? Hello. Hello, Brian. Sal here. What's up, Brian? How are you, buddy? Good. How are you, Brian? I love your show. Love talking to you. Thank you. Listening to you. What's on? Uh, My point, uh, when you were going on about the... uh, Amusement park stuff. I was cracking up. You remember Action <laughs> Park? Back you know, in the I, I saw the document, uh, the the documentary on it. Yes, I don't remember going to Action Park. I remember hearing about, it, but I never went. But yeah, that place looks dangerous. To this day, listen, listen. To this day, I can't get on the Ferris wheel. I swear to God, <laughs> I can't get on the Ferris wheel. I just can't. I'm a, I'm a New York City fireman too. I got, I oh, so you you can't be afraid of heights, then, Brian. Yeah, well, I'm retired. I'll admit that, but uh, it's like, holy crap, it's too slow. But uh, uh, what I was going <laughs> to lament to you and uh, allude to, you, you made a good point earlier that you're not a Yankee basher. I'm a Yankee fan. Um, I grew up in Queens. Um, a lot of my Met fans, friends, mm-hmm. just uh, crush me all the time. You know, just being like, you know, spoiled, sure. all that stuff. But you yeah. were very fair earlier in your show. It was, it was like, oh, God, i got to talk to this guy. You know, it was it was. It was well, great. let me ask you something. Uh, let me ask you something. As a, and now, I, I admit, and I've said this before, growing up, I hated the Yankees. In the 80s, I didn't really care because the Mets were better, so they were kind of irrelevant, the Yankees. But living through, sure. you know, going to high school and all that stuff during the, the Yankees dynasty, sure. I hated the Yankees. However, if I took that same 20-year-old Sal mentality on the air, why would any Yankee fan respect or listen to anything that I have to say? Like, I just, I, it just doesn't work like that. Doing this as a professional, and, and by the way, I've grown into an adult at 43 right now where I don't have hatred yeah, for I'm, any team I'm necessarily. Aside from the same. I'm 55. Yeah. I respect that. And I remember in 86, you know, that it was like incredible. I swear to God. Like, Queens was nuts. Mm hmm. Um, so I, I have a, definitely have a soft, soft, spot, soft spot for the Mets. Who are um, you rooting for? I, are you rooting for the Mets? Well, I'll pose this to you. How about when the Mets play the Red Sox? Who am I going to root for? Well, that's what I'm, I'm asking you. In, in, in 86, who would you root for? You remember it. The Mets. Absolutely. Oh, you're a Mets fan. I'm sorry. I thought you were a Yankee fan. No, I'm a Yankee fan, but New oh, York. but you did root for the Mets. Okay, there you go. Right, I got you now. Right, I was confused there for a second. Right, so, because you hate the Red Sox so it, much. Yeah. Yes, and if it goes the other way, say um, the Yankees are playing the Braves, or whatever it might be, I'm not rooting for the National League team. I'm, I'm rooting for my team, whatever right. it might be. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think uh, I think the. A, a Yankees Braves World Series is the Mets fans' worst nightmare. And thank you for the call, Brian. I appreciate checking in. I, and look, I would not mess with Ferris wheels either. I, you're right. Too slow. You're stuck up there. No, thank you. I don't do the heights thing. Even when we went to Sesame Place uh, last month or a couple months ago now, geez, April 16th, that was a while ago. Even when we went to Sesame Place, some of those rides, like the kitty rides, I'm like, whoa, I can't handle this. My niece and nephew were like, come on, let's go on that roller coaster. One of my three-year-old nephews. And I'm like, eh, all right, I'll go on it. Well, how bad could it be? It was 
pretty freaking bad. My wife and I were like, we're thinking we're doing a good thing taking the kids on this. We were scared of that thing. I don't like the roller coasters. Too fast. The ups and the downs. No, thank you. Anyway, Yankees Braves World Series is a Mets fan's worst nightmare. Mets Red Sox World Series is a Yankee fan's worst nightmare. We've seen them. You're in a tough spot with that one. Anyway, my job is to not be bias here. I am representing the New York sports fan. So while I grew up a Mets fan, it does not mean that I root against the Yankees or have hate toward the Yankees or can't give a an unbiased opinion. I happen to think the Yankees are significantly better than the Mets this year. Do you realize that in 1997, think about this, how dumb I was. 19, even 1996, I told, I've told this story before, I told Derek Jeter to his face, 97, outside of Shea Stadium, in the gate where the players used to park, the bus would drop them off as the players would walk in. I told Jeter to his face, you wish you could feel like Ray, Ray Ordonez, because I loved Ray. He was my favorite player. You wish you could feel like Ray. And he just laughed it off and kept it moving. And then David Cohn gave me the finger. I was like, Coney, not you. You were a Met. I loved you. Went to a signing in 87. I got a picture of it here. Look. Anyway, that's how nuts I was that I told Derek Jeter, one of the great players of all time, that he wishes he could feel like Ray Ordonez. What an idiot. Matter of fact, I called Bill Daughtry. As a listener, I called Bill Daughtry and told him, I think Ordonez, you know, this was when the Ordonez and Jeter conversation took place many years ago now. And you're talking 96, 97, whatever it was. I think Ordonez is better. I mean, what an idiot. That may have been my worst take ever. You thought the NL East was over. It was bad. And in 97, I remember betting one of my good friends at King Cullen, Andy in the Deli. King Cullen's a supermarket, if you're not familiar. I used to work the registers. Andy in the Deli would work the Deli. And he was a big Yankee fan. And I bet him, like, think about how dumb and blind this is. This is just showing you my biased nature in the past as a a Mets fanboy. I bet him that the Mets are going to have a better record than the Yankees in 1997. How stupid was that? Come on now. One other note, I hated Mike Piazza because they used to say that he was better than Todd Hundley. When Hundley was the Mets catcher, I was like, oh, Piazza, he's not better than Hundley. The day Mike Piazza got traded to the Mets, Mike Piazza's the greatest thing ever. It just shows you how you can be blinded as a fan. Now, to me, that does not work on New York Sports Talk Radio. I mean, it just can't, can't do it. That's what I was. I was biased. Not anymore. And again, you're going back, geez, almost 30 years now, right? 97 was how long ago? Uh, I mean, it's a long time ago now. Anyway, we went off on a tangent there. We'll get back to your calls. Uh, let me get one more in here before we break. Teddy is calling from Yonkers. What's up, Teddy? Hey, Sal. Sal, you just hit something right on the nose. You have to be objective and honest with yourself in evaluating everything, whether it be sports and politics. And I don't even want to get into the politics. Uh, That gets my blood pressure up. But dealing with the Yankees, I'm a Yankee fan since the Mickey Mantle days, and you can figure out how old I am. Mm -hmm. Sal, let me ask you this first before I get to my main points. Who are your predictions for the to play in the World Series, American League and National League? I'll put you right, right on now. The spot now, right now, who would I pick? Yes, sir. 
Yankees and oh man, that's a tough one. I know in the National. Yeah, it is a tough one. Uh boy, a part of me wants to say the Mets. I just don't see it. Uh, I'm gonna go Yankees and Braves. That's a, that's what I was gonna say. That's yeah. What well, I, was... I mean, it's not. We're not. The Yankees would be the tougher part of that because the American League is more challenging right now. I don't think the Dodgers. So if I'm not ruling out, if I'm ruling out the Dodgers, do you think the Arizona Diamondbacks? I don't. I'm not taking anybody in the Central. All due respect to Milwaukee. So who does that leave? It leaves the Mets or the Braves. I'm not picking the Phillies again. So I'm going to go the Braves. Now, what's the situation with Aaron Judge? Why couldn't they make uh, a diagnosis today and release the news? Uh, I don't know. And I'm sure, Teddy, and thank you for the call. We appreciate checking in. I'm sure they have it. They just didn't want to release the news yet today. They guess they don't have to with the off day. So maybe the Yankees are coming up with some kind of plan for either, you know, how they're going to approach it with Judge. Maybe they're still waiting to see how it looks tomorrow. I have no idea what they're doing. But there's no doubt that they've gotten results on what's up with that toe. If there were significant damage or broken toe, you would have probably known about it by now, I would think. I don't know. I'm speculating here because they won't tell us. But they have to know the severity of it. Maybe tomorrow, you know, let's say it's not serious. And tomorrow they say, well, you know what? We're going to give it a couple of days. We may not have to IL them. I would be surprised at this point if they came out tomorrow and said, uh, yeah, we just got the results back. It's broken, or there's major ligament damage in the toe. I'm not sure how it works, but I have to know. Here's the example, and this is just the truth. I don't know how else to put it. Like, you go to the doctor's office your whole life, and it's you do these tests or whatever, and they would say, okay, we'll call you when the results are in, blah, 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 blah. Well, years back, my father wasn't feeling well. They were trying to you know figure out what was going on with them. Nobody could tell what was happening. He goes in for an MRI of his brain. They didn't let him leave the building. So it wasn't, oh, yeah, we'll call you Tuesday with the results. It was, you can't leave. You have to go right to the hospital because there's a tumor in your brain. So the point is, and again, I know that that's harsh, but it's the reality of the situation, which makes me think, I think of it all the time when it comes to this type stuff. Obviously, if there's something wrong, they'll know right then and there. They take a look. They see something that's abnormal. You're not leaving. And this is a much less significant situation, of course, but it is the New York Yankees and Major League Baseball and professional doctors for a professional Major League Baseball team. You don't think they know exactly what's going on with Aaron Judge's toe the second that they look at it? Come on. Eight, seven, seven. You're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars invested in this player. Come on now. Uh, 877-337-6666. We'll continue with your calls on the other side. Sal Licata on the fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sal kind of back on the fan. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Going until 12 a.m. EJ Stewart will take you through the overnight. And then I will be back on the overnight starting Wednesday morning. So tomorrow night into Wednesday morning, the grind starts once again. I got baseball night in New York. I was off today. I was supposed to actually go to Montauk this weekend, but we had to postpone it. And now I'll be going uh, a little bit later on um, in the month. But uh, either way, it's uh, nice to be here and filling in for Keith. And it's been fun doing these evening shows uh, which is not as easy as you would think because it's around the Yankee games. A lot of times you don't know when you're getting on. It could be 1030. It could be 1115. It could be 12, whatever. But it was nice to have some normal sweet, uh, normal sleep for a while. Um, and, you know, now I'll get back to the old schedule with the overnights throughout the course uh, of the summer. 877-337-6666. And Keith will be back tomorrow night, which there's a Yankee game on. So we'll be back on after the Yankee game. Dan is calling from Belmar. What's up, Dan? Hey, what up, Sal? How are you, Dan? Uh, doing good. Hey, just a couple things that you brought up before about the Mets. Um, I mean, it's been a frustrating year on all aspects. Seems like, you know, you talk about consistency. There's zero consistency this year. When they're hitting well, they're not pitching well. When they're pitching well, they're not hitting well. That seems to be the uh, common thread. I thought you brought up a good point. The uh, The team hasn't changed much from last year. It's just crazy to see the difference in mentality and execution between last year's team and this year's team. Um, they just can't seem to gel together this year. Um, I went to the game on Sunday. I got a couple questions for you uh, regarding – I was at the game on Sunday. I'm driving back to Jersey afterwards, sitting in an hour of traffic, so I had some time to mull that over. But uh, I don't know why the Mets even chose to throw Senga when you know this guy needs extended rest. It's pretty clear – it's not. If it wasn't clear before Sunday, it is clear now that he needs that extended rest to be effective. Wouldn't it have made so, more sense to hold him back and have him start the opening opening uh, game versus the Braves? I think there were two reasons, and maybe the third would be the Braves being a factor, but two reasons. Number one, they'd prefer him to pitch at home. He's been that much better at City Field than on the road. Number two, having him pitch on normal rest allowed him to pitch at home and allowed them, uh, allowed them to keep Scherzer and Verlander on rotation in Atlanta to face the Braves. If you move Senga back, now you're pushing Verlander back to Friday in Pittsburgh, and you're having Senga on the road to where he's better at home. Obviously, it didn't work out for Kodai Senga. I still think it was the right decision. Yeah, I could see that. I think over time, I mean, this guy's only made a handful of starts so far. I think over time, his numbers will uh, equal out, whether it's on the road or at home. He has been dominant at home besides that last outing. But just a couple other things with the lineup on Sunday. And this comes back to your point about consistency. I feel like the lineups have been too inconsistent based on matchups, which falls on Buck. But um, you have Tommy Pham leading off, who I'm not a big Pham guy. He did hit two home runs, you know, light a fire or whatever. But uh, (laughs) uh, you have Pham leading off, and then you have Lindor, who's clearly struggling, needs to get moved down in the lineup. God forbid Lindor ever hits anywhere besides a two or three hole. I don't know what the problem is with that. 
Well, Buck is showing him the ultimate respect. First of all, fam, forget about it. Not only did he produce, but he's irrelevant in this equation. So you know, Buck made the right move there. You can't second-guess him putting a guy in the leadoff spot that actually homered twice on the day. But Tommy Pham's on the team. He's going to play on occasion, and he hasn't been awful. And ultimately, he's irrelevant. Lindor is an interesting point. Buck loves him. Buck is going to be loyal to him. He's not going to, in his mind, probably embarrass him by moving him down, but something's got to change. Ron Darling said on the broadcast uh, Sunday that he believes come the Brave series, Starling Marte will be back in the two-hole. So uh, I don't know what that means for Lindor. I don't know if we're going to see the la- you know the old school last year's lineup now with Marte starting to get going, but Buck likes keeping these guys where they are for the most part. And it took him a lot to send. It, it took a lot for him to send Marte down. I don't know if you're going to see that with Lindor. Yeah, I think it needs to happen sooner than later if you really want to get this guy going. You got to get him out of the two and three hole, take some pressure off him, and he'll see better pitches to hit. But even to your point with Fan being irrelevant, I understand that he's a guy he's going to play. You know, once every once every four days, whatever it is, they give Nimmo a day off right before an off day. It didn't really make too much sense to me. Um, but anyway, the the Alvarez he's still hitting nine for whatever reason. He's the second best power bat on a lineup that lacks power. In my eyes, that guy has to be hitting either five or six. Right, and they did move him up. Remember, they've had him at number two, and I can't argue with what you're saying, but I understand the logic, and thank you for the call, Dan, of why Buck has him down in the nine-hole. He said he views the nine-hole a little bit differently than most, and I think I understand what he's talking about. The nine spot can kind of be a secondary cleanup spot where you look at who's between Alonzo and Alvarez. If those guys do their job, especially with Vogel back being in there on occasion where all he does is walk, you can potentially have, and he doesn't do it often enough, obviously, but I'm just saying if he gets on base, now you may have, you know, depending on who's there in the bottom of the order, Marcana, whatever it may be uh, for that given day, Beatty, you could potentially have these guys on in front of Alvarez. What good is it having Alvarez sixth, let's say? I mean, and if you're not going to have him, they don't want him fifth probably because they don't want the two righties back-to-back, so you're going to have Beatty in there in the five spot. And then what good is it having Alvarez sixth if you could have him down a little bit more and use him as kind of a secondary cleanup hitter for the guys who you hope could get on in front of him? So I understand that logic. Now, the argument against that would be, well, he's one of your best hitters. You want him up as much as possible, don't you? They they need to potentially rethink their lineup. And McNeil might be a part of that, dropping McNeil down. Maybe McNeil is a eight hitter or a seven hitter. I think he's been too high in the order. You know, McNeil should be a hitter, but he's hitting two eighty. He's not hitting three twenty. And he's got no pop whatsoever. So I'm not putting him third either. You're probably going to see if Darling is right, you're probably going to see Marte in the two hole and door three, and then McNeil will be down in the order. But their lineup in Atlanta will be telling because they're going to treat these games. I know Buck is. They're going to treat these games like postseason games, as they should. Jim is calling from Saddle River, New Jersey. What's up, Jim? Hey, buddy. Still stuck in my bumper-to-bumper traffic on the GW. But uh, Do, Does it ever end? I mean, does it yeah, no. really? Does it ever end? Nope. Nope, nope, it doesn't. But, uh, no, I, like, getting on this point with the Mets is – this is the first time in I don't know how many years where I used to follow 
you know, the division lead, the the league lead. I, I just feel in sports, it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, you look around the league, you see the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup Finals. You see the Philadelphia Phillies as the the the, the sixth, you know, wild, you know, the wild card going to the World Series last year. You have the Miami Heat, number eight seed, that is now one one against Denver, and. I just I don't know I'm just not worried about a 500 record right now because I don't I, maybe because I'm getting older and wiser and fatter in my old age <laughs> I, I don't care. It's you know like, it's an interesting it, point, it, it, Jim. It's an interesting point that you bring up because everybody references the slow starts in baseball in particular. And think about last year, which is just sickening. The Phillies finished what 15 games, 15 games behind the Mets and the Braves, or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Behind the Mets and the Braves, 15 games, a lot of games, and yet they go to the World Series. And then you mentioned it yeah, with the, the Panthers. And, and, and the Braves were below 500 going into the All-Star break, and they won the division. Well, no, they were not They were not below 500 going into the All-Star break. Not like, Oh, maybe the Nationals in 2019 or something were bad. The Braves were not below 500 last oh, year. Oh, I thought they the were all, I'm sorry. No, because they started to take off right at maybe Memorial Day. They were they might have been under 500 or something like that all around right, Memorial right. Day. Then they took off. But anyway... The point is, uh, you know, well taken as well, where you look around and see the Miami Heat and eight seed, the Panthers. Think about the Eastern Conference in the NHL. Think about the gauntlet that the that was the NHL's Eastern Conference and the freaking Panthers, a team was lucky to get in battling with the Islanders yep. down the stretch, lucky to get in there, the yep. team that goes to the Stanley Cup Finals. Come on. Yeah, and and, and same with, with the Heat. You know, they went through the the Bucks. I mean, the, the Knicks. You know, fine. I, I you can give them that. But I mean, I mean, the fact that they're you know, and then the Celtics. I mean, it's 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 really what what you're playing at at the end of the season. And like I like I said, I, I used to get high and low with you know reading the stats every week and the standings and what what the Mets did on a a Tuesday in 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 August. And really, what it comes down to is where you are in September and October. And if you're playing your best baseball at that time, and if you're not, so be it. They won 100 games last year. (laughs) And what did they get? Yeah, and it didn't matter. And look, we're still, and thank you for the call, Jim. I think you bring up an interesting point. You still value what the Mets did in the regular season last year, and you'd rather have that every time. But ultimately, it may not matter. And think about this, and it didn't hit me until the caller before I forget which one it was, but a caller before called and asked me to make my World Series prediction right now. Who would it be? And I said, the Yankees in the AL. And I thought about it in the National League, and I'm looking at the teams, and I'm like, well, not the Diamondbacks. No, not the Dodgers. Definitely not going to take the Brewers or the Pirates. So that rules out the West and the Central, which brings us to the Braves and the Mets. I'm not picking the Marlins. I'm not picking the Phillies again. It's the Braves and the Mets. Real, now, obviously, it could play out totally different. Hey, look, maybe the Padres get back in. Maybe I shouldn't be overlooking the Padres at this point, and they're the sleeper. Maybe the Diamondbacks are legit. Maybe the Dodgers do it again. Who knows? Point is, you can realistically, right now at 30 and 30, make a case for the Mets. You could. I don't see it, but you could make that case realistically for the Mets. Because as long as Scherzer and Verlander are healthy, and they add a bullpen arm. I mean, they do. It's not like they don't have players. And they are, even now, still one of the better teams in the National League, even at 30-30. and 30. Imagine if they ever started to get going here. 
I still don't think it's realistic. I saw too much damage last year in the biggest season in the biggest series of the season, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's the Padres, and you saw a clear disparity there. But anything's possible if you get there. Mike is calling from South Boundbrook, New Jersey. What's up, Mike? Hey, Sal. Great show, man. Thanks for the call. Uh, hi, Mike. So, a couple up? things. Yeah, a couple things that I'm thinking about with the Mets. You know, when they lost Diaz, that was kind of the start of like, oh my God. You know, we just lost the best closer in baseball, arguably. And, you know, now that affects the psyche, I think, of not just the bullpen and the starting pitching, but the whole team, right? And also, do you think, you know, last season, maybe they showed us a little bit of what they are made of, really, at the end of last season, and and now we're getting it at the beginning of this season. You know, I'm going to remain optimistic. I'm a Mets fan. They're all I got. But, you know, it's going to be very difficult without, I think, Diaz in there, you know, for them to, to make any kind of run. Yeah, I mean, to me, it wasn't a death blow, but it's the thing, one of the things you couldn't have happen before the year. It was almost, it was almost as bad as it could possibly get. Plus, in the fashion that it happened, when and where it happened, it was terrible. And then, and it's almost like taking Alonzo out of the lineup, right? right. And and just you can almost compare it to that. Well, right. I mean, Alonzo Lindor would be the other two. And then to be on top of that, Mike, and thank you for the call. On top of that, they, on opening day, I, I could speak for myself. Just And I was angry and frustrated, but very angry about the Edwin Diaz thing. And just as I was starting to move on from it, all right, it's opening day. They could go out there and get a closer. They'll figure it out. It's not going to be as good as Diaz, but the season's not over. It's just beginning. Opening day, what happens on opening day? Justin Verlander is going to be out. Oh, no big deal. Meanwhile, he's out a month. You know, there's been a bunch of different things. Sometimes these signs are there that tell you, you know what, it's not their year. But we've seen it in sports before where the Braves lost to Cunha and went on to the World Series and won it. So you're right. Anything could happen. You just hope that they get there. And I think that they will, but eh, maybe we'll be talking about a different story then. Problem is, we're here on June 5th. And I got to talk about what's happening June 5th. I can't just sit here and say, well, you know what? Guys, we shouldn't pay attention to the baseball season until September. End of September, generally, October. So then you're telling me we're going to take a a six-month season and talk about it for, what, two months? September, October? Doesn't work like that. Not on Sports Talk Radio. I mean, you could ignore it all you want. We can't. You could minimize it all you want. We can't. And there still has to be something to the regular season. It may not be as meaningful. It's still got to have some kind of meaning. Rob is calling from Greenlawn. What's up, Rob? Hey, Sal. I, I think the, uh, the the question we're all dying to know the answer to is what color mulch did you go with? Did you go with the black or the red? I did go with the black, and the only problem there with that you is, go. you know, the dog gets in it, and then he gets dirty, yeah. and my hand's all dirty, but yeah, we went we went black. Why, you go red or black? Uh, I'm black all the way with the mulch, so I'm yeah. so, really happy to hear you about your mulch story. It's very entertaining <laughs> tonight, so anyway, um, you know, I, I, I just couldn't, uh, you know, I, I really am sitting here disagreeing with you, and I really did agree with that last call. I know you said, you know, with the regular season, I really feel like Buck manages this team, like it's all about just winning you know, 55% of the games getting to the postseason. And more importantly than 
you know, the way he manages is just keeping Scherzer's and Verlander's pitch load to maybe 140, 100. Because if we're going anywhere this season, we need those guys 100% playoff time. And I think he, I think he manages the season. He's going to manage the season all year long, trying to keep their loads down, let not let them go into the seventh. Well, you know, no, I disagree. I just, it, what about Verlander the other night? Did you see that against Toronto? He had him throw what 115 pitches or whatever it was on Friday night. Right, but I, it's just I just got a feeling like like I said that you know, he just never seems to manage with any urgency. I, I do think that he he is just cool, calm, and collective. He knows this is a marathon, not a sprint, and the recipe for getting in. The last three, four years has been win fifty-five percent of your games. You come up with fifty-five percent. You have a five-fifty winning percentage. You're in the playoffs, and then I'll roll the dice with those two guys. And I think that's the way he's looking to go here. Um, because you well, know, I mean, I'm sure they want to win the division. Uh, I, I think they want to win the division. But Buck manages. You, you noticed it last year, and I think it's the same thing. He's managing three games at a time. He's trying to win every series. Now the problem is that they have not been able to do that. Last year, they did it extremely well. This year, they have been losing a ton of series here. But I do believe Buck manages to win two out of every three. Right. Well, you know, and just one other thing I wanted to bring up with baseball this year, the thing that's baffling me, and I sit here, and as I sit here and I look at the ER, ERA leaders in baseball, I'm looking at the top 25 guys in front of me right now. There are three that are household names. I mean, you know, the top 25 guys, you look at the top guys in baseball in ERA, it's, Elder, McClanahan, Rodriguez, Gray, Valdez, Ovalde, Stroman. These are not perennial all-stars. Like, what is going on with the pitching this year? That, you know, there's like three, there's, there's Otani, there's, uh, there's uh, Cole, and Kershaw. Those are the only three guys in the top 25 in ERA that are household names. Like, it just seems like all the big pitching stuff. Look at the Cy Young Award winner last year. Uh, look at look, Valdez. Uh, not Valdez. Uh, Al Contreras. He's got a five ERA. What the heck is going on this year? What's I don't pick? understand it. I, I, I honestly have no answers for it. And I know it's early, but, I mean, it's already June now. So it's not, oh, well, I, you know, we're, we're early in the season here. We'll figure out. I don't know. I don't have an answer. The, the inconsistency in the sport seems to be at an all-time high. I don't know if that's recency bias or what, but it used to be, hey, this guy's a good pitcher. You can count on that guy being a good pitcher for the next three to five years. Is that asking too yep. much? And and now it's what, one one year good, and then the next year, eh, not so good? Evaldi, Sonny Gray, what are these guys doing in the top ten in ERA? It's crazy. Evaldi was a guy the Mets missed out on, and thank you for the call, Rob. He's a guy the Mets had an opportunity to get, and they chose to go elsewhere. And he's obviously a guy that the Yankees liked years ago. He couldn't stay healthy. Mets are going for more durable guys than Evaldi. Although Evaldi, when he was on in the postseason for Boston, you saw what a difference maker he could be. And he's been that now for Texas. And one of the big reasons why Texas is off to a great start. It's not DeGrom. DeGrom hasn't pitched. He's going to be out again, 60-day IL. Evaldi's one the Mets missed out on. Now, who knows if he would have done that same thing here. But anyway, now I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't have the answers to you. The inconsistency is maddening. Which is why I like the decision by the Mets to go out there and sign Scherzer and Verlander. Figuring, you know what? If we're going to bet on anything, let's bet that these guys who basically have been consistent their whole career can do it for another two years, even though they're 39, 40, whatever. That's why Garrett Cole is so valuable. Every fifth day he goes out there, he's an ace. 
Uh, that's why I like Herman this year. It's been consistent for the Yankees. Anyway, 877-337-6666. We'll continue with your calls one more hour. Going to midnight, 12 a.m. on this Monday night. We'll take your calls on the Yankees, on the Mets, whatever it is that's on your mind here on this Monday. We await the word on Aaron Judge. We await the Mets and Bravos tomorrow night, starting a big three-game series, a season-defining series for me. You can talk about the postseason all you want. This is going to show me something about this Mets team, what they do here in Atlanta over the course of these next three days. All right, whatever you got for me, let's get to it on the other side. 877-337-6666. Sal Licata on the fan. It's Tiki and Tierney, middays 10 to 10. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.